Uh, if you ain't been prepared yet, I don't know how to prepare you. Uh, that was good. That was rich. I'm thankful for the meaning of the song. Amen. 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 Man, follow the Lord. COVID real bad. So y'all pray I get through this because I just had quit singing, but it's been on my heart. So I come through the garden alone while the blue is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on.
appreciate this this morning. Amen. Amen. Bless. Appreciate this this morning. Something else on your heart. Amen. Bless. Amen. Something else. Amen. Amen, Brother Larry. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Appreciate this. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Lord, help. Pray for her great-grandchildren. Pray for them. Something else this morning. Yeah. Amen. Appreciate this this morning. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Sister Stacy. We've been studying Ecclesiastes. Brother Mike's been doing a good job. But uh, it's all vanity. What he said. What the preacher taught. Something else this morning. I want to say uh, I appreciate Sister Hannah and Sister. Malia, I appreciate everything. I appreciate the sisters, just all the song service, everything that's been done so far, the testimonies. Uh, but I I really love that song. Uh, it relates to me. Uh, I guess it relates so much to me because he's always been good to me. From the moment that I wake up, so I lay my head. He's been good to me. 
He brought me through the fire. Multiple times. He says, I'm going to sing because of the goodness of God. It's easy to reflect on the hard times in life, but when you realize who it is that's brought you through the hard times, you can sing about it. You can sing about it. Anything else need to be done this morning? It's been good so far to be here and thankful once again, as I said, for the Lord's Spirit and passing by. And Boy, I don't ever want to do anything out of the way. But I've got a thought. I want to try to preach on. Pray for me. I need the Lord's help this morning. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you're here and lost, if you feel the drawing power of God, Come and seek the Lord, whether that's in your seat or whether that's here at the altar. Uh, you're never going to be a hindrance to me or to this service. You seek God. We want you to be saved. That's what Jesus wants. He wants you to be saved. Uh, I don't really have a title for this sermon this morning. I've told you before, it, it's not always this away. Sometimes God has given me thoughts. Uh, Sometimes I just preach on certain subjects, it, it, it just differs. But this week, as I was headed to work one morning, uh, I can't remember exactly what day, uh, it was very, very foggy outside. And I maybe that was uh, Wednesday or Thursday morning. And as I was driving to work, I was complaining a little bit about the fog and the dew that was on the windshield and I guess you could say that uh, you couldn't really see very far in front of you. And no sooner than I began to have that thought, God began to convict me about the many places that I've been in my life that ultimately I can't see what's out in front of me. But God does. See, I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but God does. And when we trust completely upon Him, even after we're saved, that we're willing to still continue to surrender and humble ourselves before a living God. And say, Lord, I can't see visibly what's in front of me. I don't know what's ahead. But you do, and I'm going to trust you. That's all that we can do. And I began to think about these verses of Scripture, and I, I don't want to take anything out of context, but the Lord gave me a little different thought than, than I preached on them previously. Uh, not here, but other places. And I want to take our text this morning out of the Gospel of Mark, and I want to start our reading in the 22nd verse. Gospel of Mark in the 22nd verse. Excuse me. Oh, sorry, chapter, 8th chapter. Eighth chapter. Eighth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. That would have been hard for y'all to find, wouldn't it? Eighth chapter, 22nd verse. It says, And when he cometh to Bethsaida, they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, 
he put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see a man of trees walking. And after that he had put his hands again upon his eyes, he made him look up, and he restored, excuse me, he made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any man in town. I want to stop there for just a moment. There has been uh, people through the years, and even whenever I was trying to preach on this, and I want to maybe look at it in a little bit different way than I have before. But ultimately, I want you to know that uh, oftentimes that our perspective of things become very blurred. Uh, our perspective of what we're seeing compared to what God sees becomes very blurred. And as this man here, he was blind. Now, I don't know whether or not he was blind uh, from his birth or all the way up. I, I don't know if he uh, sometime throughout his life become blind. Maybe perhaps he had seen uh, men and trees and things of that nature before. I don't know. The Scripture doesn't give us that in detail. But what I will say is this, that uh, there were some individuals that had a concern for this blind man, that they brought him to Jesus, that Jesus might heal him. And today I want to encourage you, uh, those of us that are here, that know the Lord, that know the goodness of God, that knoweth that His mercy endureth forever, that we never give up hope in trying to tell people or bring people to church or to hear about Jesus and what He's able to do. That should be our sincere desire as the church of the living God is to prepare people and tell people about what Jesus can do for them in their life. So he, these, <coughs> they had brought this blind man and besought him to touch him. Now ultimately, just as that woman that had an issue of blood, uh, we know that uh, the press was strong, they were thronged, and she made her way. She knew if she could just touch the hem of his garment that she would be healed. She had that issue of blood. For 12 years, the Bible said, that she had tried many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and she went and made, uh, she just had a desire to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And when she done that, what did Jesus say? He said, there's virtue that's went out of me. There's power that's came out of me. Someone's touched me. And my friend, I want you to know that that works on receiving ends. When you touch Jesus, my friend, you know then that something's happened. And my friend, when Jesus touches you, you know that something's happened. Now, it says that they took this blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And my friend, that's how it was with me when I was lost. I'll get to my point here shortly in a minute. But when I was lost, uh, yes, I was seeking the Lord and there was uh, people coming around me and uh, people giving me advice and things, trying to tell me, trust in the Lord, put your faith in Him. And my friend, I appreciate all of that advice, but when it come down to the saving grace of God, it come to a place that it was just me and Him. That's what it come down to. It was just me and him. I finally got to a place that I wasn't concerned about who was around me. I wasn't concerned about going to the bathroom. I wasn't concerned about being tired. I wasn't concerned about anything with the exception of my soul and dying and going to a devil's hell. That's all I was concerned about. There was trouble 
And there was sorrow. It was just me and him. This man, this blind man, Jesus, took him by the hand and led him out of town. Said when he spit upon his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw odd. He said, What do you see? What do you see? And he said, I see men walking as trees. I began to think about that, that when the Lord saved me, I thought about how the Apostle Paul said we look through a glass darkly. Yes, I knew that I was saved. I knew I had a home in heaven. But the more I read about God's Word and the, listen, I may be only fixing to turn and getting later in my 30s, but I'll say this, the closer I get to home and I've had some experiences in this life that I've thought, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen. I've had close calls with death. But my friend, the closer that I've gotten towards home, the clearer the vision has gotten. The perspective that I had when I was a young man, when God saved me as nine years old, it's different now than I had then. It's changed. It's become clearer now. When God saves us, He allows us to see things, but yet as we grow deeper in the Word of God and our relationship draws closer to Him, our perspective changes. And it needs to. began to think about this week. He said, I see men as trees. And that got to dealing with me. I thought, what kind of tree would I be? Now this is going to seem a little different to you this morning. I want to ask you a question. What kind of tree would you be? I thought about different kinds of trees. I was thinking, uh, there's all kinds of trees. Some trees bloom just once a year. We've got a crepe myrtle tree at home right now. It's in bloom. It blooms once a year. There's some individuals that uh, maybe once a year they come into the Lord's house and they come in and uh, they'll begin to say, boy, God's really working in their life. And then two or three weeks later, they disappear and you don't see them the rest of the year. You've got some people that I think of. Uh, how many of us here have Bradford pear trees in our yard? A lot of us don't. Bradford pear trees, are they're pretty from the road, aren't they? They are. Me and Jessica married, we planted three or four Bradford pear trees out, in our house, out at our house in our front yard. They're pretty to look at. But when a storm comes through, what happens to a Bradford pear tree? They're blowed over, aren't they? The limbs break out of them easy. Their root system's not deep. They can't weather the storm. I thought of a weeping willow tree. When you think of a weeping willow, they're pretty to look at. They produce shade. But they're always weeping. They're always down. No matter if the sunshine's shining, no matter if it's the prettiest day in spring, what's a weeping willow doing? It's always weeping. 
We've got some uh, from time to time, no matter what God, listen, uh, that's what that song says, uh, that God has been good to me all the days of my life, therefore I'm going to sing about Him. No matter if I've been in the bad times, no matter what it is in this life I'm going through, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. In everything, that's what the Scripture says, in everything, give thanks to God. In everything. Now folks, that gets hard sometimes. That gets hard. There's been some folks that's experienced things that I hope and pray that I never have to go through. But my friend, when that time comes, and if it does come, it comes to a place as God's people that we've got to say, Lord, no matter what it is I'm going through, God, no matter what it is this life throws at me, I'm trusting in You. No matter. To pray without ceasing. To give thanks for everything. There's all kinds of trees. So fruit bearing trees. We have an apple tree at home. When we first bought that place, we had an apple tree, two peach trees, a pear tree, and now we've got a pear tree that's leaned over and an apple tree. Turns out I, I don't I have a hard time taking care of fruit trees. Fruit trees take maintenance. We have an apple tree at home now that even today it produces small apples like this. Maybe y'all have seen them around your home. If you don't prune them back, they won't produce big lush apples. About like this. A lot of times before they fall off the tree, most of the time the fruit's already rotten or it's got worms growing in it. Y'all ever seen them like that? There's a lot of fruit trees that'll never bear fruit. Y'all ever seen them? They have the capabilities of bearing fruit, but yet they do not. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in that same position. That's what Jesus said. He said, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. That's what He said. So I began to think, I really thought here last night, I thought, boy, I'm really, this is good stuff. I'm really going to go somewhere with this. And then I thought, well, that's about the extent of trees that I know about. I don't know a whole lot about trees. But then I began to think about, well, let's just look at what the Word of God, what the Word of God says about trees. I began to think about oak. If you look at the pews you're sitting in, a lot of the wood that we use, especially around here, is oak wood. I have a lot of oak on my place. We've got white oak and red oak. If you know very much about oak trees, they produce acorns. After about 20 years worth of growth, that's what they do. They produce acorns. Oaks have always been known as big, strong trees. 
A lot of homes have oak in them. Began to think about what our influence is. What kind of influence are we having on people? What kind of tree are we? If men are seeing us as trees, what kind of tree are we? Are we a, are we a tree uh, like a Bradford pear that has no substance to it? When a storm cold comes, it's easily blowed over. Are we like a weeping willow that's always weeping down? Or do we find joy in God? Are we a fruit tree that has trouble bearing fruit? Then I began to think about the oak. Listen to what the Bible says. If you'll turn with me to the 35th chapter of Genesis. The 35th chapter of Genesis. (coughs) And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go unto Bethel. And dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared un, unto thee when thou fedest from the fa- fleddest from the faith of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in that day of a distress, and was with me in the day which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in, his, in their hand and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Now, my friend, this morning, if we're not careful, our perspective of what we see doesn't line up with God's perspective. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, then that's the only way that I can preach to you the Word of God is just being honest. If we're honest with ourselves, we've got idols in front of us that we're putting before God. We're putting before the service of the Lord. If we're not careful, I'm not talking about little statues that you'll read about in the Old Testament that they made. But I'm talking about idols. That's anything that we put before the service of the Lord. Now I realize sometimes there's things that have to be done. I realize there's things uh, that we uh, uh, sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll get the ox in a ditch, don't we? But listen, uh, we don't need to be putting the ox in a ditch every Sunday. We don't need to be putting the ox in a ditch every time the doors of the church are open. We've got an obligation to be in God's house. And if we're not careful, we're going to put idols before us. And that idol, uh, my friend, this morning is anything that we put before the service of God. That's what an idol is. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves doing that. But what does Jacob say here that he's doing? My friend, he's getting his house in order, isn't he? That's what he's doing. And if we're going to get our house in order, if we're going to get to a place to where we can serve God, if We want to continue to see the power of God in our church moving and having the Spirit like we did this morning. We've got to get our house in order. We've got to be willing to say, God, this morning, no matter what come, no matter what may, I'm going to serve you. And that's what Joshua ends up saying in the 24th chapter as we get over there. But he said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. That's what he says. My friend, I'll be honest with you, I am concerned about the future of our church. Not just here, I'm talking about in general. 
I'm talking about the future of our churches. I'm talking about a generation that's coming up. My friend, if you want to find... Uh, 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 listen, the world, my friend, this morning, they can't offer you the knowledge and the wisdom. They can't offer you the things like the strong oaks that the Bible talks about. I'm talking about getting under the influence of some old-time Baptists. I'm talking about getting under the influence of some people that's been through some things. I'm talking about getting under the influence of an oak that stood and weathered the storm. That's what I'm talking about. This oak, when it comes time and you start getting of age and you start going out in the world, and you know, Brother Don, Brother Moran, and different ones, they've been an example to me. I look at how they've lived their life. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is our greatest example. But I look at how they've lived their life. And I see that they have stood strong in the faith. And they've not wavered. They've been as an oak tree. The things that they've laid down for the cause of Christ. The things that they've been willing to say, I'll lay aside these things, the things of this flesh, that I might exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it's all about? Listen, I'm no different than you all. How easy is it when you go home and you're tired and you worked all day, instead of picking up your book, you pick up the remote? Listen, let's just be honest this morning. How easy is it when you get home instead of opening up a portion of God's Word that we have right here at our very fingertips that helps us, the Spirit of God directs us, it makes it alive. That's what the Bible says. Our vision has become distorted. What we see. He goes on down here in the 8th verse. He says, But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alonbanah. I may not pronounce that correctly. Deborah, if you can go back, she had come out with them. Uh, you can go back in the 24th chapter. I believe it's 59th verse. She had been with her since the very beginning. They buried her under an oak. There was all kinds of manner of places that she could have been buried, but they buried her under an oak. My friend, there's nowhere else in the world that you're going to get the peace of God like you do amongst God's people. The Lord Jesus will give you peace and He'll help you, but there's nowhere else in the world, there's no greater institution than the Lord's church and my friend, when the Spirit of God is in a service, there's nowhere else that you can get a peace like what you get here. There's nowhere else. He 
can save you anywhere. He can, uh, listen, He can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. But I'm talking about a peace, my friend, that when He saves you, He don't just give you the peace once, but my friend, He gives you peace throughout the rest of your life. That's the kind of God that I serve. He don't just give you peace one time. Thank you, Lord. He gives you peace throughout all your life. That's the kind of God that I serve. Joshua in the 24th chapter. He says, Now for there fear the Lord and serve Him in serenity and truth. This is in the 14th verse. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He is that brought us up, our fathers, out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, and that which those did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God, he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away... He said, The strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. And Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them in a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote the words of the, of the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it under an oak uh, that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And I want to stop there for just a moment, if you will. Uh, let me go on and read that last verse there, 27 verse. It says, And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it had heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us, and it shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So what is it that Joshua's saying? How many of us have used that uh, quoted scripture there uh, in the 15th verse? Listen, me and Jessica have it in our home. It's hanging in our dining room when we first married. I had it put on the mailbox outside. It says, for me and my house will serve the Lord. But my friend, all of us have made that statement. But my friend, it's time sometimes as God's people that we put feet on the things that we say that we're going to do. And that's what Joshua was declaring. He said, listen, what you're saying is going to be a witness unto what what you're saying you've made this covenant you've made this promise and he said God is a jealous God that's what he is he desires you and you completely I tell lost people all the time we try to tell them do you know what God wants most of all 
He wants you. That's what he wants. That's what he gave his life for. That's what he shed his his blood for. But my friend, as God's people, do you still know what he wants and what he desires? Is you. His desire has never changed. He still desires to have fellowship with his people. He's still jealous. He wants you and you completely. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Joshua took this stone. He said, this stone will stand as a witness. And he put it underneath an oak. I hope that you can, are beginning to see the importance of the oak tree. That's what that word oak means, that it's strong. He put it under the oak. I want to read to you another verse of Scripture over in Judges in the 6th chapter. Y'all bear with me. I won't get this off my heart. In the 6th chapter of Judges in the 11th verse be the next book over. And it says, There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which is Ora. Ophrah, and pertained unto Joash, Abizarite, the son of Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? My friend, I want you to know that Gideon would end up finding direction for his life. He would find out what his calling was, if you will. He found it there underneath the oak. He found it. Uh, my friend, listen. If you want to find direction in your life, if you want to find which way to go, and listen to me, God ultimately can give us direction. But if you want to find uh, influence, my friend, in your life, you get underneath the shadow. You get underneath the influence of some old oaks, my friend, some old uh, uh, brothers and sisters who's weathered the storm. And my friend, you let them influence your life. And my friend, that's something for me this morning that I'll never, I'll never take back. I, I thank God that I've had the influences that I've had in my life that they've stuck with me. I've looked to them through my life and said, how have they lived? What have they done? And my friend, those things have stuck with me. You want to find direction in your life. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find those things out in the world. You're going to find them under the influence of some old oak, some old brother and sister who's been through it, who's experienced it, that can help direct your life. That's what the church is. The Bible says that it's the ground and pillar of truth. My friend, the brothers and sisters who's been through it, Who's experienced it? 
You know, I've called brothers and said, Brother, I'm going through this. I'm having a hard time. You know what they say, Brother Casey? I'll pray for you. I've been through it too. You'll be all right. They've been through it. Isn't that what Jeremiah says? To stand ye in the old paths and walk therein. He doesn't say find a new path on your own. My friend, the way that we're going, even though I cannot see what's out ahead of me, it's been being trodden and walking, my friend, for a long time. And believe it or not, to me, it's the most tried and true way we go. In the 19th verse of that same chapter, it says, And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of flour and put, excuse me, of flour and, and the flesh and put in a basket and put the broth in a pot and brought it under unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And so he did. Do you know where I learned to serve God at? Under the, under the influence of brothers and sisters that come before me. Somebody's come up to me and they, I, I'm not saying now, I'm using this as an example. They said, Brother Casey, I want to be a Sunday school teacher. It's good to have desire. We need to have desire, don't we? You're going to serve the Lord, you need to be excited about it. You need to have desire. But my friend, nothing trumps experience. When I began to preach, I didn't know nothing about preaching. Still don't know very much. You know what I done? I called and got the advice of a brother who's been through it. Now, he didn't teach me how to preach. But he gave me some real good advice. You know what he said? I said, brother, I don't even know where to start. And he said, you read the four Gospels, and you read them over and over and over and over. And he said, by the time you think you're starting to get a little knowledge about it, he said, read them over and over and over again. What is it we're trying to tell people about? About Jesus, isn't it? He gave me some real good advice. You're going to find the influence that you need in this life under the influence of some good old brothers and sisters who've been through. Listen to me this morning. Folks, I've tried it. I've tried it both ways. Y'all may not like hearing that, but all I can do is just be honest with you. I've tried being out in the world. It's kind of like what the Scripture says. It's fun for a season, isn't it? It's fun for a season. But to be honest with you, you know what sin, you know the only thing that sin has ever brought me? It's heartache. That's it. Heartache. 
That's the reason why one day after a while I look forward to being able to lay down this tabernacle of clay. I'm not, listen, I'm ready to die, but, and honey, if God chooses to call me, that'll be fine, but there's still some things that I want to see. I love life. I love my children. I love my wife. I have a good life. God's been good to me. But my friend, I also look forward to being able to lay down this tabernacle clay so that I won't fail him anymore. I've got one more place I'm going to read you and then I'll be done. I want you to go with me over here to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel in the 18th verse. In the ninth verse, it says, And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick bouts of a great oak. And his head was caught hold of the oak, and was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule was under it. Under him went away. Now, Absalom was David's third son, I believe is what he was. And, uh, Basically, he had the desire uh, to take hold of the kingship. That's what he wanted. And as I began to think about this, uh, I want you to understand that this oak that grabbed him up by the hair, it didn't kill him. That's not what the oak did. A man by the name of Joab killed him. He pierced him with three darts in the heart, I believe the Scripture says. If you'll go on for your reading. He had done uh, some things that were contrary. David, I believe, should have handled some things differently. Probably wouldn't got to this place. But I'll say this. Uh, my friend, when we get under the influence of some oaks, they didn't kill Absalom, but they subdued him. And my friend, this morning I'm thankful for some of those oaks that God has put in my life. That when the devil came to my home and he tried to destroy my family, he tried to destroy all the good things that God was doing. Listen, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And he was trying to tear apart everything that God was doing. I'm thankful for some oaks that God has put in my life that he has subdued the enemy. That's what they've done. They've got down on their hands and knees and my friend, listen to me today. I don't want us to be weak. I want us to be strong. That when we're praying, we're praying and believing in the one that can answer our prayers. Listen, don't go to the Lord with a hesitant heart. Don't go to Him half-hearted. Thinking, Lord, I don't know if you're going to do this. Or Lord, I don't know if you're going to answer this prayer. But you go to Him, Lord. If it be this will. Lord, if it be your will. Help my brother and sister. Listen, when I'm asking you to pray for me, you pray for me like it's you. How many times do we see family that's got lost loved ones and they get saved and, and then we don't see them anymore? I want you to know this. I'm not bragging on me. When I pray for your lost children, I pray for them just like their mom. I want them to be saved. 
I want them to be saved more than anything in this world. Listen to me. Hell is burning and it's real. And there's people that's dying every day going to that awful place. So when I ask you to pray for these lost, you pray for them. Listen to me, back in the old days, and we talk about the old days, how they used to see people dismelt and sinners run. Listen, people had a conviction. They had a burden for lost people. How many times have you went to an older brother and sister? They don't have to be older. Listen. They've just got to be strong. How many times you went to them and asked them, would you pray for them? How many times when you asked them to pray for you, they said, let's pray right now? They get to praying for you. And before you know it, God starts working in your life. So I ask you this morning. I have to ask myself. What kind of tree are you? He said he's seen men walking this tree. You say, Brother Casey, how in the world did you get that out of that scripture? I don't know. That's what the Lord laid on my heart. What kind of tree are you? Are you the tree when the storm comes? You blow to and fro? We've got some oak trees out at home. Jessica, we've got one right out the corner. It probably ain't 20 feet from the corner of Bryland's room. She said, Casey, she said, Sometimes I get nervous. This ain't been here lately, but she gets nervous when the wind gets up. Right, it might come on. I said, honey, that's an old tree. That don't mean it ain't going to blow over. But you know something pretty neat about trees? A lot of times we don't see their root system, do we? I've always been told this. I didn't look it up, but this is what I've always been told. That a tree's root system is as wide as it can. That's pretty big, isn't it? Roots go down deep, don't they? What kind of tree are we going to be? Are we going to let things of the world stand in our way to service to God? Listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But I want you to know this morning that I love the Lord. He's been good to me. And I want to be an influence to these young people. I want them to see how God can work through their life. How many times you go back, and Brother Strode, if you'll get us a song. How many times do you go back in your mind and you think about your grandparents or your great-grandparents? I've told you all before, my grandparents was good people. But I tell you what I remember most about them than really anything. I can remember my pa blessing every meal that we ate at his kitchen table. We didn't eat a meal that wouldn't bless. 
I can remember my ma for years and years, she didn't have a dryer. I can remember her standing outside with a basket of laundry, closing, cleaning, hanging them on the clothesline outside, singing Amazing Grace. Listen, those memories, yes, they were my grandparents, but the memories of how they served God is what I remember more than anything about. I don't remember a whole lot of details. But the things that I do remember is how they served the Lord. There's going to be a whole lot of things that my children's going to forget. But one thing I want them to remember is when Daddy said it's time to study and Daddy had his book open. Listen, your, your children will remember that. They're watching you. I want them to remember that before we sit down to have our meal, that we had prayer as family. That we give thanks to God. Not that I'm anything special, but it probably wouldn't hurt them to hear Daddy crying out to the Lord from time to time, getting on his knees and praying and saying, Lord, would you help my family? They need to hear that. That's the stuff that they'll remember. What kind of tree are you going to be? What kind of tree do people see you as? I want to do better. I want to weather the storm. Because it's coming. You may have never been through a storm in your life, but you need to be prepared because it's coming. It's coming. Go ahead, Brother Strong. 63, 163. Let's look at God as the oak tree, okay? I feel the touch of pain so kind. I said, 